Where do you house the worst of the worst criminals? The ones that are too difficult, too violent, and too hardened to house at a regular old prison? Where do you send America's most notorious criminals and gangsters? Where do you send the worst of the worst? From August 11th, 1934 until March 21st, 1963, you sent them to The Rock. Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary was specifically built just for these special types of prisoners. Alcatraz, nicknamed The Rock, was designed to house inmates who incessantly instigated trouble at other federal prisons in the United States. Located 1.25 miles off the coast of San Francisco, California, Alcatraz operated as a prison for just under 29 years. It had been a citadel since the 1860s. Then the main prison building was constructed from 1910 to 1912 and was utilized as a U.S. Army military prison. The U.S. Department of Justice acquired the disciplinary barracks on October 12, 1933, at which time the island became a part of the Federal Bureau of Prisons. The facility was brought up to the highest levels of top-notch security through modernization of the building. This, along with the location of Alcatraz being in the frigid waters and unforgiving currents of the San Francisco Bay, Alcatraz was believed to be escape-proof. It was touted as America's strongest prison in existence at the time. The last resort prison, as it became known, welcomed its first guests on August 11, 1934. 137 prisoners arrived at Alcatraz, coming by way of railroad from the U.S. Penitentiary at Leavenworth, Kansas to Santa Venita, California. Among the first prisoners to arrive would be Al Scarface Capone, George Machine Gun Kelly, and Harvey Bailey. Before they could be escorted onto the island, they were handcuffed in high-level security coaches and kept under guard by 60 FBI, U.S. Marshals, and railway security officials. Most of these prisoners were bank robbers, counterfeiters, murderers, and sodomites. At Alcatraz, the handcuffed men walked into the dock between two rows of guards and then marched in pairs, flanked by guards, to the rear gate, through the yard, and into the cell house. Guards searched them, then removed the handcuffs and chains. The men were given their prison numbers and assigned their cells. A guard then escorted each prisoner to the basement bathhouse. The prisoner was stripped and, after the doctor had examined orifices for smuggled dope, they showered. Finally, each man was locked in his cell and the name and number ticket was placed in a holder on the cell door. Prisoners continued to trickle in over the next several months from prisons all over the country. By the following June, the prison population stood at 242 prisoners, although some had already been transferred out. Over time, along with being known as the toughest prison in the United States, it had also gained the reputation of being one of the most feared prisons in the world, as former prisoners would frequently report acts of extreme brutality and inhumane conditions within the walls of the prisons. These conditions were said to have drove some inmates to the brink of insanity. Ed Whatke would be the first of five to commit suicide while imprisoned at Alcatraz. Another inmate, 
Rufy, Percival, chopped off his own fingers with an axe that he grabbed from a fire truck and then begged a fellow inmate to do the same to his other hand. Clearly, being on Alcatraz was crazy-making. As one reporter would describe it, Alcatraz is the garbage can of the San Francisco Bay into which every federal prison dumped its most rotten apples. In 1939, the new U.S. Attorney General Frank Murphy criticized the penitentiary by saying, the whole institution is conductive to psychology that builds up a sinister, ambitious attitude amongst prisoners. The reputation of the prison was not helped by the arrival of more of America's most dangerous crooks, including Robert Stroud, the so-called Birdman of Alcatraz, who in 1942 spent 17 years there. Stroud was a pimp, a raging psychopath, an impulsive murderer who only became less dangerous because he got older and was incapable of the kinds of violence he had been once known for. He entered the prison system at age 19 and never left it. Stroud killed a guard, tangled with other inmates, and spent 42 of his 54 years in prison in solitary confinement. However, somewhat contradictory to its reputation and the fact that many former inmates named it Alcatraz based on its horrors, some prisoners reported that living conditions in Alcatraz were much better than most other prisons around the country, especially the food, and many inmates volunteered to come to Alcatraz. In all, Alcatraz housed 1,576 of America's most dangerous criminals. What was prison life like in Alcatraz? If you were a model prisoner, it seemed like things would go quite smoothly for your time on the rock. But living conditions were pretty dreadful. Prison cells specifically designed so that none adjoined an outside wall measured 9 feet by 5 feet and 7 feet high. The cells were primitive with a bed, a desk, a wash basin, and a toilet on the back wall with few furnishings except a blanket. Prisoners had no privacy going to the toilet and the toilets would emit a strong stench because they were flushed with salt water. Hot water faucets were not installed until the early 1960s, shortly before the prison closed. The prison had a very strict set of rules and regulations and daily routine for its inmates, but also for its guards. Inmates were basically entitled to food, clothing, shelter, and medical attention. Anything else was a privilege, which could be taken away at any time. Inmates were given a blue shirt and gray pants, long underwear, socks, and a blue handkerchief. No hats of any kind were allowed. Cells were to be kept tidy and in good order. Inmates were not allowed to have any money, narcotics, tools, weapons, or anything fashioned as a weapon, and if they were caught with any kinds of contraband, they would be up for disciplinary action. Prisoners were to shave in their cells three times a week, and toilet paper, matches, soap, and cleanser were distributed on Tuesdays and Saturdays. Bars, windows, and doors were to be cleaned on a daily basis, and hot water would be provided only upon request and only for cleaning their cells. African Americans were segregated because of racial tensions and violence directed towards them being prevalent in the prisons at that time. There was a complete code of silence throughout the entire prison, 
but it was relaxed and soft talking was allowed in the cell block area and dining hall. There was no loud talking, whistling, or singing allowed. What was a typical day like as a prisoner? Well, you would be woken up at 6.30 and have breakfast at 6.55. Then they would go back to their cells, clean and throw out some trash. If a prisoner had the privilege of a work assignment, work would begin at 7.30. These were work duties that included laundry, tailor shop, cobbler shop, model shop, or gardening. Lunch was served at 11.20, followed by a 30-minute rest time. They would then return to work until 4.15, dinner served at 4.25, and then back to their cells and locked in for the night at 4.50. Lights out would be at 9.30. Upon checking into Alcatraz, every inmate was given a library card and a catalog of books available for checkout. They would put in a written request for a book and the books would be delivered to their cells by the librarian. The library had nearly 15,000 books, mostly left over from the days that the army was on the island. Inmates were allowed a maximum of three books in addition to a maximum of 12 textbooks, a Bible, and a dictionary. All books and magazines were censored from content related to crime, sex, and violence. There was a chaplain in charge of making sure all the books were wholesome. The average prisoner read 75 to 100 books a year. Prisoners had time allocated to either reading or practicing a musical instrument. Al Capone famously practiced the banjo while at Alcatraz. Where is the one place you don't want to go if you happen to be an inmate at Alcatraz? Cell Block D, the treatment block. This place was set aside for the worst of the worst of the worst inmates, with varying degrees of punishment, including solitary confinement, isolation, and being stripped down. Prisoners usually spent anywhere between 3 to 19 days in solitary. Prisoners held here would be given their meals in their cells and not permitted to work, and only shower twice a week. The Birdman of Alcatraz we spoke of earlier, Robert Stroud, one of the most infamous prisoners in Alcatraz, inhabited cell 42 in the D-block for six years. The worst cells for solitary confinement punishment were located at the end of the D-block, known as the Hole. These cells were completely void of light and were colder than the rest of the prison. Any prisoner sent to the Hole were regularly stripped, beaten, tortured, starved, and forced to sleep on the concrete floor naked. They were limited to one 10-minute shower and one hour in the yard per week. These five cell blocks of cell block D had nothing but a sink and a toilet, and the very last cell had nothing in it but a hole in the floor to be used as a toilet, and prisoners would spend two days at a time in there with nothing but that hole. No clothes, no food, no nothing. If you didn't think it could get any worse than that, it does. For the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst, they would be locked in the cell with the hole and chained to the wall, feet barely touching the ground for the entire night, left standing. For food, they were given small portions of bread and water. 
It would take months and months for a prisoner to earn back standard prison privileges. So, what is the first thing that comes to the mind of a prisoner arriving for their stay at Alcatraz? How about how to escape? During its 29 years of operation, the penitentiary claimed that no prisoner ever successfully escaped. A total of 36 prisoners made 14 escaped attempts. Two men trying twice, 23 were caught, six were shot and killed during their escape, two drowned, and five are listed as missing and presumed drowned. The first unsuccessful attempt to escape the prison was made on April 27, 1936 by Joseph Bowers, who was assigned the duty of burning trash in the incinerator. He tried to escape during duty hours by scaling a chain-link fence on the edge of the island. When he was caught in this act, he refused the orders of the correctional officer located at the Rest Road Guard Tower to come down and he was shot. He was seriously injured from the fall of over 50 feet and subsequently died. The first escape attempt that actually shattered Alcatraz's escape-proof reputation was made on December 16, 1937 by Theodore Cole and Ralph Rowe. During their work assignments in one of the workshops, they had cut the flat iron bars of the window and climbed into the bay waters to escape. It was a stormy day and the bay water was highly turbulent. As the escapees were not found, they were declared drowned by the prison authorities and it was speculated that they drowned in the bay and that their bodies were swept out to sea due to the turbulent bay currents. Legend has it that there has been a successful escaped attempt by three inmates and that they survived. On June 11, 1962, after the lights went out in the federal prison, inmates Frank Morris and brothers Clarence and John Anglin began a bold escape. The trio of bank robbers placed fake heads made of toilet paper and soap, complete with hair collected from the prison barber, into their beds to fool the guards. The Anglins named their decoy heads Oink and Oscar. They slipped out of their cell through six by nine inch vents beneath the sink they had slowly widened with stolen spoons and other makeshift tools over several weeks. The trio then entered a utility corridor behind the cells, climbing the plumbing to the roof, slipped out of a ventilation shaft, and made their way down to the water's edge. They had built a raft out of 50 pilfered raincoats they planned to inflate using converted musical instruments, similar to an accordion. What happened after that has been one of the most enduring mysteries of the past 50 plus years, spawning mysterious theories, amateur and professional investigations, and even a popular movie with Clint Eastwood playing Frank Morris. Authorities believe the three men drowned in the chilly waters of the bay, yet the U.S. Marshal Service still has the case open. About six weeks after the escape, a departing Norwegian freighter spotted a body wearing what appeared to be prison denims floating face down about 20 miles from the prison. The remnants of the raft makeshift paddles, and some of the prisoners' possessions were found along the shore of Angel Island about two miles away. However, a deathbed confession surfaced from a man who said he and an accomplice plucked the escapees from the water 
in a freshly painted white boat. A claim backed up by an off-duty officer who spotted the suspicious boat that night. The confession goes on to say that the accomplices betrayed, murdered, and buried the men near Seattle. John Anglin's sister claims to have received a phone call from him soon after the escape. A cousin of Frank Morris says he met Frank at a San Diego park not long after his escape, a meeting his young daughter also recalled. A drug smuggler claimed to have run into the brothers in Brazil, where they had bought a farm. He says the brothers escaped by attaching a cable, and there was one missing from the Alcatraz dock, to the last passenger ferry of the night, which left after midnight. The trio body surfed to freedom, basically. In 1992, the smuggler, Fred Brizzy, even provided the England family with the photo he shot in 1975 that purported to show the Anglins on their Brazilian farm. The Anglin family also claims to have received Christmas cards from the brothers on three occasions after the escape. In 2010, another brother, Robert Anglin, told family members he had been in regular contact with John and Clarence from 1963 until losing touch with them in 1987. So, what do you think? Did these three escapees survive? We may never know. There's one last thing you may have heard about Alcatraz, that it is haunted. Not only is it haunted, it's considered to be one of the most haunted places in the United States and is claimed to be the most haunted prison in the country. During its time as a penitentiary, both inmates and guards reported a wide range of purported ghostly activity in the prison. It is reputedly haunted by the ghosts of Native American prisoners and officials who perished on the island during the American Civil War at the military prison. Prisoners, many of whom were declared insane after serving time at Alcatraz, reported peculiar whisperings in the middle of the night, floating blue lights and figures moaning and the clanking of chains in the cells which were known to be unoccupied. One inmate in D-Block was reported to have seen glowing red eyes in the dark and screamed for hours. He was found dead the following morning with a purple face, bulging eyes, and unidentified strangle marks around his throat. Guards initially laughed at these claims of ghosts by inmates, but as time progressed, some were reported to have experienced unusual activity themselves including feeling cold spots, unseen fingers on the backs of their neck, crying in the middle of the night, strange sounds coming from seemingly nowhere. The first warden of Alcatraz, James A. Johnston, was reputed to have heard a woman sobbing while conducting a tour of the prison. Inmates have reported seeing prisoners from the early 19th century wearing clothing from that time, walking the corridors in the A block, and then they would disappear when approached by the guards. And one of the members of the staff reported seeing a gang of Native American prisoners marching around in a circle before vanishing. Phantom gunfire, cannons blasting, and fire alarms going off all by themselves have been reported. The warden's house, 
now a burnt out shell since the occupation of Alcatraz, is reputed to be haunted. During the time of the penitentiary, several guards reported seeing a specter of a man with mutton chop sideburns during a party wearing a gray suit and a brimmed cap, leaving the room icy cold and extinguishing the fire in the Ben Franklin stove. A phantom lighthouse has also been said to have emerged from the fog of the San Francisco Bay. Are these hauntings for real? Or are they the figments of the imaginations of people who spent a little bit too much time on the rock? We may just have to encounter one of these specters for ourselves to know for sure. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's bonus tour of this historic California landmark. Though it no longer operates as a prison, it's now one of the Bay Area's most popular tourist attractions. If you have a chance to go there, see if you can find Mr. Mutton Chops for me and say hello. Until next time, sweet dreams. <laughs>